Well, good morning. You might open up your Bibles to 1 Peter. Uh, 1 Peter. One Peter, uh, chapter one. And this morning we're going to be looking at, um, verses 22 to 25. One Peter, chapter one, verses 22 to 25. Let's ask the Lord for his blessing on his word as we come uh, before him. Lord, we thank you for the privilege it is to come before uh, you right now, Lord. And as we come into your word, we pray that you will teach our hearts, quieten our minds. Lord, help us focus upon you and you alone in this time. Lord, we need you to speak. And so, Lord, we ask that you would do that for us. And we trust that in your word there is power. Power to save, power to change, power to move our lives and hearts. And we pray that you would come, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come? Speak into our hearts, we pray. In your precious name, amen. Here we are in chapter one, and this is a momentous occasion because uh, we finally are going to finish chapter one. (laughs) Um, And so you guys know that that's a big deal for us whenever we finish anything uh, because it takes me time to do that. And so in chapter 1, here's what we are looking at. The Lord is calling us to live a life for Him. In chapter 1, one of the biggest calls for us as Christians, one of the biggest descriptions for us as Christians is that we are elect exiles, which means we are strangers in this world. We need to live in this world in such a way as if to say to ourselves, I do not belong here. This world is not my home. So you should live in this world as if to say, I do not belong here. And if there is ever a feeling that you belong in this world, it might be a sign to you that you are of this world and not of the Lord. Because those who are the Lord's, they live for Him, they walk for Him, and this world is a strange place for them. And so for those who are the Lord's, we know this truth about ourselves. We are elect exiles. We are strangers. We don't belong here. And so what he has called us in chapter 1 is to live in that way. We are to live as different people. We are to live as those strangers. So what he has called us to is a number of things. Number one, he has called us to live in holiness. We are to live a life that is set apart and separated unto God. Living a life of holiness. Number two, we were called to live a life of hope. Live in hope. Hope of the life that is to come and the world that is to come heaven. And number three, we were called to live in reverent fear before the Lord. Live with a reality that His presence is always around us and about us. And now this morning, as he finishes chapter 1, we are called to one more thing in our life. Not only holiness, not only hope, not only reverent fear, but this morning we are called to live in love. That is what we are called to do this morning. Live in love. Listen to the scriptures. Chapter 1, verse 22. 
having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. The main command in this scripture is verse 22. Love one another earnestly. That is the big picture of these verses. If you want to know the big picture of these verses is this command. Love one another. And I'm sure as the people were listening into this and they heard this command to love one another. I'm sure they would have been thinking in their own heads. Peter, we already know that. I mean, that's the baby food of Christianity. We know where to love one another. That's, that's the baby food. Give us the meat. We know that command. And, and even, even the world knows. Even outside in the world, if you were to ask them, what is the teaching of Jesus about? Or what is the teaching of the Bible about? A lot of people would give you the answer. It's about love. People know that that is what Christians are supposed to be. And we as Christians know that that's what we are supposed to be. And so when we hear this command, often the problem that we have is we gloss over it. We don't take it seriously because we've heard it before. And when you hear it again and again and again, and when you know it's what you're supposed to do, we kind of gloss over it and put it aside. But my prayer for you is that you hear that command from the Lord himself. He is calling you, brothers and sisters, to love one another. And this command that Peter gives, I'm going to spend most of my time actually on this command and in this verse 22 because it is so important. The command that Peter gives, you know what Peter is doing? What Peter is doing is, is Peter is plagiarizing here. What I mean by that is this, Peter is taking these words and he is copying and pasting them from somewhere else. These words are not original to Peter. He has stolen these words from someone else. And who has he stolen these words from? He has stolen these words from the mouth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. This is the teaching of Jesus. This is why this command is so important because these are the words of Jesus to us. In John 13, verse 34, Jesus said this, A new command I give you, that you love one another. And in John 15, verse 12, Jesus said this, This is my commandment, that you love one another. And in John 15, verse 17, Jesus said this, These things I command you, so that you will love one another. That's Jesus teaching to us. And do you think Jesus is saying something to us? Yes, he is. That you would love one another. But Peter isn't the only one to copy and paste these words. Peter isn't the only one to plagiarize these words. Paul uses these very words as well. In Romans 12 verse 10, he says this, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
In 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 9, he says this. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. But Paul's not the only one who plagiarizes these words. John uses these words as well. In 1 John 3 verse 11 he says this, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And in 1 John 3 verse 23, This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he has commanded us to do. So what John is saying there is this. Here is the commandment of Jesus. That you believe in Him. And with that, that you love one another. So those who believe in Jesus will be marked by one particular sign. They will love one another. This is the testimony of the New Testament. And we should not ignore it. Because if we do ignore it. It may be a sign to us that we do not love Him. Because if we do not love one another, how can we say we love Him? That is the call for us as believers to love one another. Me and Luana, we have experienced in our life much love from the church. And that is what the church should be. And one of the examples that came to my mind this week, this week is, is birthday week in our house. So it's, it's Dahlia's birthday this week and it's been Talitha's birthday this week and, and Christmas is really expensive in our house. And so we were celebrating all the birthdays and as we were doing that, I was reminded of the time that Talitha was born. When she was born, we were out in Chicago and Soraya came to visit at the time she was born to help us. But at the time also, we didn't have much family around. Obviously, we had Soraya there. But the church, the church that we had joined in Chicago at the time, they gathered around us at the time. And you know what happened? They provided meals for us for two weeks. Now, the church was much bigger than our church right now. But we felt what? We felt loved. Because love has with it action, doesn't it? If someone just says they love you, but don't do anything about it, you wonder if they really love you, right? Because love has action. And so this is what we experienced from the church after Talitha was born. They came in alongside us and provided us meals for weeks because love has action. And this is what we are called to in this church. We are called to be a church and be a people who love one another earnestly who care for one another earnestly but you know what this command is difficult and my guess is that many of us particularly recently have struggled with this command to love one another do you know why because when troubles and difficulties come into your life you are consumed by them And it becomes really hard, really difficult to love other people when all you can see is your own trouble and trials. Have you ever been consumed with your own trouble? So much so that that's all you think about almost every day. 
So much so that that's what you are thinking about when you go to sleep. That it affects your sleep, it affects your eating, it affects your relationships in the home. Have you had troubles like that recently? Well, if you have, I guarantee you it has been a struggle for you to love others. Because it's so hard to muster up whatever leftover energy you have from your troubles to love others. And this is why I think Peter gave them this command. Because we need to remember what these believers were going through. In verse 6 of chapter 1, it tells us, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Peter is not writing to a people who are perfect. Peter is writing to a people who are experiencing the problems of life. And so what is he saying to them? As they are experiencing all the troubles and trials of life, he is saying to them, do not forget each other. Because that is what happens. We are consumed with ourselves right now. I think that is true in our life. And I say we intentionally. I'm not saying you. I'm saying we. I'm involving myself in this. Because when we are told to self-isolate and, 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 and protect others, and that's what we're trying to do, we, we come in on ourselves and we forget about loving each other. And there, if there is a command, I think we need to remember in the coming weeks, brothers and sisters, it's this. Love each other. This morning, you are not coming here just for yourselves, although I hope you are fed. You are coming here for the Lord and to love one another. This is why we're here. This is why we meet together online, not just for ourselves. Listen, if it was for me, I wouldn't want to speak to a camera every single Sunday. Forget that. But if it's for the Lord and for others, that's what we want to do. If it was up to you, would you like to just sit in on a Zoom call every Friday if it was just up to you? No way. But I want to love the Lord and I want to love others. It's about Him. And that's what we're called to do, brothers and sisters, to love one another. I want us to stay in verse 22. And again, most of our time will be spent there. But ask the question this, what should this love look like? If we're to love one another, what should this love look like? And there's two words that surround this command. And the first word is this, this love is to be a sincere love. Look at verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. This love that we are to give to one another is to be sincere. It is to be genuine. It is to be real. It is not to be fake. And we struggle with this reality, don't we? It's hard not to be fake in life, right? Isn't it? It's hard to be real. In fact, I bet that some of us possibly may have struggled to come in this morning because you didn't want to be fake. 
You struggle to come in because you want it to be real. And if you were to be real, then you would just come in as a mess. And you, so you don't want to do that. And so you struggle to even come into church sometimes because you want to be real. We want that in our lives. We don't want to be fake. And our love at the core, it should be genuine. It should be real. It should be sincere. And why? Because we have experienced the most real and genuine love on the planet. The love of God for us in Christ Jesus. And the moment we obeyed the truth, the gospel, is the moment we were called to live a sincere love. Let me remind you of the commands of Jesus that I read to you at the start. I read half of the command. I didn't read all of it. Let me read to you the full commands. John 13 verse 34. A new commandment I give you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. John 15 verse 12. I only read half the command. It says this. This commandment that I give you. That you love one another as I have loved you. The only way that our love will be sincere, will be real, will be authentic, is if we are reminded of the love of Christ for us. Hear me this morning. He loves you. And I know you have heard that before. But here has been my prayer this week, that the Holy Spirit would imprint that on your heart and soul right now. Hear me. He loves you. And you don't get that love totally because our love, it always fails. But His love, it never fails. Our love fails to endure, but His love, it endures forever. He loves you. So in that way, you are called to live a life of sincere love for others. It is not to be fake. Here's what we do with this command to love one another. Do you know what we do with this command? Often we take this command and we turn it the other way and we use it as ammo to shoot at the church. So here's what we say. They're not loving me, as this verse says. So we take this verse and we shoot it back at the church and we say, the church isn't loving me, they should be loving me according to this verse. No, what we should be doing with this verse is taking it and saying, how am I called to love the church? How am I called to live a life of sincere love to them? Not just pointing it at them and saying how they don't love me. But how am I loving them? This love is to be a sincere love. But also the second word about this love, not only is this love to be a sincere love, but this love is to be an earnest love. Look at verse 22. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. This is a love that keeps on going. This is a love that does not stop. It means this love is not just a momentary action. 
So go back to the time that church provided for us for two weeks when we had a newborn baby. That was loving. That was good. That was kind. We were glad for that. But can you imagine if they just left us alone after that? Can you imagine if all they did was just that momentary tick the box, we've fed them for two weeks, that's it, let's pull out of their lives. Let's not pray for them, let's not think about them, let's not care about them from here on out, let's just leave them alone. Would that be loving? No. That would not be earnest love and that would not be sincere love. Earnest and sincere love, it keeps going and it never stops. And this is the type of love that we are called to in this church. But the only way, the only way we will offer sincere love and earnest love to others if we remember the love of Christ for us. And that is what we are called to. So how are we going to do that, brothers and sisters, for one another? I want to suggest to you two things. Well, the first thing is what you don't do with the verse. What you don't do with the verse is shoot it back at the church. But what should we do with the verse? Number one, I would say this. Continue to pray for one another. Continue to pray for one another. I say continue because you already have been. It was wonderful this week to get the text from Emer and the reality of people praying for her. That shows care. It was wonderful to get the text from Valerie and the reality of people praying for her and for Steve and Pam in Florida. What that does, when you start praying for others, do you know what it does? It takes your eyes off yourself. You start thinking about others. You start praying for others. You start caring for others. Even so much so that when, 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 when other, other people despise you, one of the best things to do is pray for them. Because you will find the Lord slowly changing your heart to love toward them. The second thing I think we can do is sacrificially love one another. So pray for one another and sacrificially love one another. I want to read to you what the early church did. And I want you just to listen. Listen to the early church. I love reading Acts. And one day we are going to go through the book of Acts. One day. One day. (laughs) Um, Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Listen to what they were like. This is the early church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. And to the fellowship. And to the breaking of bread. and, and, And the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now listen to this. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all who had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in each other's homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. This was a church. The early church was a church who gathered together, who heard teaching together, who broke bread together, who sang together, who went into each other's homes together because they didn't have COVID. They were able to be together all the time. One person laughed. Thanks, Tally. (laughs) They were together all the time. And what did they do? They sold their stuff for each other. Hear that? They sold their stuff for each other. 
Right now, do you know what we're doing? We're buying stuff for ourselves. They sold stuff for each other. And I think, brothers and sisters, we should be loving one another in these practical ways. Giving to one another. Sacrificially loving one another. And one of the things I think that stops us from doing this, one of the things I think that stops us from loving one another, you know, our minds play games with us. Our minds play tricks with us. So here's what we do. We come into the church and in the name of being genuine and real, I want to be genuine in my life and I want to be real in my love. So here's what we do. This is the type of thing we do. We say, I don't get along with that person and I I don't really have anything in common with that person. So to be genuine, I'm not going to love them because if I was to love them, that would be fake. So in the name of genuineness and realness, sometimes we don't love other people. Listen to me, that is false thinking. And that should never be the way in this church. And we should not put up with that. We're called to love everyone here. I don't care if you don't get along with them. Let's pray. Let's pray for them and love them. And ask the Lord that we would have a sincere love that goes after those. You see, while we were still sinners, while we were still wretched, while we didn't deserve it, who came to us? The Lord Jesus. So we should come to others. Hear this this morning, brothers and sisters. Love one another with sincere love and with earnest love. Now the question as we begin to wrap this up this morning, the question is this. Is this even possible? Because I know you're thinking that too, right? Because here's what people do. They make excuses for the early church. They say, ah, they sold their stuff, but that was back in the day. You know, we, we don't really have to do stuff like that. Why not? Why not? If we were to love one another and be captivated with the love of Christ, why not? Is this actual love possible, you would say? To which I would say, yes, it absolutely is. Do you know why? Verse 23, since you have been born again. The only way that this true love is possible for us to give to one another is this simple fact, you have been born again. And if you are not loving others, brothers and sisters, this may be a sign to you of two things. One, you're being disobedient. Or two, maybe you are not born again. Because those who are born again are those who are able to love one another. This is what causes our love. Back in, back in verse uh, 3 of chapter 1, it tells us about the fact that we have been born again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. How were you born again? It was caused by God the Holy Spirit. And if He caused you to be born again, then you can live a life of love. Charles Spurgeon wrote this book called Soul Winner. 
And you know I'm a bit of a fan of, of Charles Spurgeon. He wrote this book called Soul Winner. And on page 8 of Soul Winner, he gives this description of what it means to be born again. He calls it regeneration. That's another word for being born again. The regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. And in this chapter, he gives us a picture of what it means to be born again. And he talks about this reality of a wheel. He says, picture a wheel. And this wheel is the new birth. This wheel is the regeneration. This wheel represents the fact that you are born again. And on this wheel of new birth, you've got these these spokes on the wheel like you do on any wheel. And, and, and according to these verses, what you have, what you have as the spokes of this regeneration, of this new birth, you have the, the spoke of holiness, live in holiness. Then you have the spoke of hope, living in hope. Then you have the spoke of living in fear, reverent fear before the Lord. And then you have the spoke of love and the spoke of earnest love and, and the spoke of sincere love. And you have all these spokes on the wheel. And the problem for the Christian is, is oftentimes people try and move the spokes of the wheel themselves. Oh, I, I need to love, so let's, let's move these spokes. But the spokes, they can't move on their own, can they? Holiness won't move in your life by itself. Love won't move in your life by itself. The only way those spokes will move in your life is if the wheel moves, is if new birth happens. The only way you will love in this way is if you are born again. The wheel must move in order for love to happen. And what is it that the Holy Spirit uses to move that wheel in your life. It is the Word of God. Look at verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Here is how the Holy Spirit causes you to be born again. Here is how the Holy Spirit causes you to live a life of love. It is by the word. And here the word is described in in many ways. It is the imperishable word. It is the living word. It is the abiding word. It is the word that remains. It is the good news. And unless this word does its work, the Holy Spirit will not move. So people ask me, you know, why do you hold this all the time? Because I know my words won't move any wheel in your life. My words might make you feel guilty for about a week or two to love one another. But unless the Holy Spirit moves by His Word, you will not love one another. There is power in this Word, not in my Word. This Word remains, not my Word. This word lasts forever, not my word. This word is imperishable, not my word. 
And so in Isaiah 40, he gives that picture of the grass. The grass, sometimes it looks rich, but it will die. The flower, sometimes it looks beautiful, but its beauty will fade. But he says, the word of God will last forever. The word of God will remain. The word of God will change hearts and lives. And so we rely on that. That is why on Friday night in the Bible study, I was so, so encouraged by that conversation we had. You know, that debate for those who were there. It was kind of like, well, it means this and it means that. And it wasn't really a debate. It was just a lively, good discussion. But what every single person did in that discussion, what, what revived my heart and soul is everybody said, well, what about this verse? And what about that verse? And, and everybody was pointing back to the Word. And that's exactly what we should be doing pointing back to the word again and again and again. That is why I say to you, look at verse 22. Look at verse 23. I am not saying that by accident. There is a reason. I want you to know that any authority I am speaking from is coming from here and not from me. And that's what you need to hold me to. The moment you think I am just giving you my opinion is the moment you should say, Shane, get us back to the word. Because that will change our hearts and lives. There is power in the Word. You know, recently I have been really encouraged by the fact that all churches have been able to do this whole online thing recently. And it's been so good. Don't get me wrong. It's been really, really good. And one of the things many churches have been doing, which has been really good, is getting people to go on camera and share their testimony, share their story of how Jesus changed their life. And it's such a good thing that churches have been doing. I really think that. But here is my slight concern. Hear me. Those stories won't change a single life. And that can be controversial with some people, but I want you to hear this. Those testimonies, those stories will not change one single life. The only thing that has power is not a person's story, but his story. The only thing that has power to ultimately change a life is the Word of God. Now, what can a testimony do? A testimony can can cause someone to question and cause someone to think. And that is why they are good. The testimony maybe might force someone to think or go to church or hear the word of God. But the only thing that will change a life is not a testimony. It is the word of God. Have you ever wondered why in the mornings on Sunday morning, I don't just sit down and people get up and give their testimony for 20 minutes? That would be a lot shorter. And maybe for some people, maybe more interesting. Wouldn't it be good every Sunday morning if we just heard someone's story of how Jesus changed their life? Wouldn't that be edifying and good for us? It might be nice to hear a story. And it might be good to hear a story. But someone's story will not change our life. It is the Word of God that has power to change our life. And brothers and sisters, what is God calling you to do this morning? He is calling you to love one another sincerely and earnestly. Why? Because He loved you first. And so this morning, what I want us to do in our brief time
um, around the Lord's table is remember this, that he loved us first. So if Andrew could come up uh, during this time, we'll have one song of praise. You will keep uh, the cups with you. And we will remember uh, this reality that he loved us first. So if I know you can do that for us, please.